Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice. Hello and welcome to another Wessex LMC's podcast with me, Dr Laura Edwards, a GP and CEO of Wessex LMC's. I'm joined today by Helena Conibert. Hello, Helena. Hello, lovely to see you, Laura. Likewise. Now, Helena is the founder and CEO of the Talk About Trust, uh, formerly known as the Alcohol Education Trust, but has just changed its name. Um, and I'd love you to tell me, Helena, a little bit about what um, what is the Talk About Trust? Uh, so we're a Dorset-based charity that works um, nationally to keep young people safe around um, alcohol, but also other issues such as cannabis, um, vaping, uh, NOS, and, and other substances. Uh, so we, sorry, I say so we do that in several ways. So we work directly with young people, but we also um, provide support for parents and carers. But perhaps most importantly, we train professionals. So that's teachers, um, youth workers, um, anybody working with young people on those particular topics. Fantastic. And, and you mentioned the word NOS there, and, and some of us might not know what NOS is. What's NOS? <laughs> it's nitrous oxide, so it's laughing gas, so which uh, can be taken as a recreational um, drug. In fact, it's just been reclassified as class as a Class C substance. Okay, okay. And they come in the little capsules, I think, with some Used to come see. in little canisters. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, they're often bought in bigger canisters and uh, balloons are filled, so... That's why it's being reclassed because the doses being taken are bigger and therefore leading to more harms. Gosh, things change all the time, don't they? They do, they do, yeah. Now, we um, we invited you here today because uh, we thought it might be really helpful to have a conversation about uh, drink spiking. And, and originally you came to us sort of just before the festive season, but I'm, I'm guessing it kind of is, is an, it goes throughout the year. It's not just a seasonal issue. Sadly, um, it's, it's always ongoing, yeah. So can you just tell us, what is drink spiking? Well, drink spiking is where uh, either an alcoholic drink or a non-alcoholic drink is um, spiked or something is added, and that could be more alcohol, but more frequently where the harms are, it can be either prescribed or um, an illicit substance. So it's often something like GHB or it could be ketamine, MGMA. Um, and of course, that then uh, leads to... Um, all sorts of effects that we'll talk about shortly. But there are other forms of spiking which I ought to highlight, which are quite recent. So um, the second one is spiking by injection. Uh, mm -hmm. And we don't really understand either the mechanism or what substances are being used. But reports to police are um, increasing uh, quite rapidly. And then the most recent form of spiking, where, which is affecting very uh, young people, uh, we've had cases of young people as, as young as nine, is the spiking of vapes, which can be with um, synthetic cannabis, uh, which is spice or THC um, or liquid ecstasy. Uh, unfortunately, all sorts of unpleasant things, because about a third of vapes that are available, especially via things like social media or given at festivals, are... Uh, illicit or uh, unregulated. Gosh, okay. And and so um, that paints a picture of some things that we'd like not to happen to us, but who does it affect? Well, that's quite interesting. It depends what sort of surveys you look at, but um, some of the biggest surveys, obviously we work very closely with further education colleges and university settings, and we certainly know that um, through a huge survey of 23,000 students at over 20 different universities, it affects about one in 10 students. Wow. 
Um, but uh, with our own data and then looking at other data, um, it is about one in 10 or 11% or of young women, uh, slightly less, but about 8% of young men, uh, and about 15 to 17% of the LGBTQ um, community. So there tends to be a stereotype that it's you know, nearly always young women mm-hmm. by strangers um, in settings such as nightclubs. And in fact, the issue and the problem is much, much broader than that. Okay, and, and, and so where is it happening? Well, again, it depends what data you're looking at, because, I mean, two years ago, we didn't have any data at all. I'm very pleased that through the House of Commons inquiry, which we took part in, and um, the Home Office is really on the ball now, and also the police collecting much more accurate data, um, that, um, well, in our own data, we found it was about 30% of private house parties, and that was uh, that's because we're sur- surveying 16 to 25-year-olds, so... Uh, that will be at university age or colleges or indeed sixth formers. Uh, but also um, a, about a similar proportion is at nightclubs or, or bars, um, about 10% at festivals. Um, but what we found really shocking was about one in four drinks that were spiked were non-alcoholic ones. So, yeah, so we really found some eye-opening um, statistics as, as a result of our, our research and others now in the field. Absolutely, because I think there is, and again, I can just again, anecdotally, you'll probably know more accurate figures, so you might correct me, but there is a perception that some younger people, there's a percentage, a quite high percentage of younger people who don't drink alcohol. Um, but yes, about three in ten now don't see alcohol as part of their lives. But also those figures I'm giving you, I mean, we know that only about two in ten people who've experienced being spiking actually report it. So we've only actually got the data on, uh, well, the police data is on those who've actually reported it our data was on and also the tabs data and um, the house of commons data were people who came forward who hadn't reported it to the police so we've got a much broader picture by looking at that that wider data which is really eye-opening gosh okay so we'll come back to the two in ten that are reporting and think about those eight in ten that that um that aren't we'll we'll come back to that because that's quite a shocking statistic yeah and but tell me, so we, we've already kind of got the hint of, you've mentioned some unpleasant drug names uh, that people aren't expecting to take, which is the nature of spiking, that they've been given them without their consent uh, and without their awareness. And we've covered where it's happening, which again, you know, private house parties, again, people will probably feel quite safe there. But again, so really shocked that this is happening to them in that environment. Your wider friendship group, which is, which is, and again, that's the same in festivals. There's an idea yeah. that everybody's your friend, but unfortunately, you know, that's not the case. Not so much. So that's, again, opening our eyes to that. Just describe for us, again, some of those drugs people may go, oh, I kind of know I've, I've worked in A&E in the past and I've kind of seen presentations where either someone has confessed they've taken something or it's suspected they've taken a particular drug and we, we can recognise some of those effects. But can you just describe, again, for those of us who you had to touch with that perhaps, then what, what effects does drink spiking have? How, how might it present? Well, this is part of the problem because it's very similar to uh, being very drunk. So the most common symptoms are um, blackout, um, being sick, um, uh, sort of being sort of delusional or um, uh, hallucinating, um, loss of feelings in in legs. Um, uh, so those those sorts of sorts of things, being very violently sick, um, it does tend to depend from person to person. But usually the effects are. 
quite quick. Um, and often those feelings are, you know, sort of described to the person by the people with them, because very sadly, often the person who's been spiked does suffer blackout. And that's one of the big barriers to reporting, because they feel, you know, am I going to be believed because I actually can't remember what happened. The effects can last a very long time as well. Um, so an important thing to highlight is some substances disappear from the system very quickly, um, but the police will test, and it's really, really important because this has changed up to seven days after an incident of spiking. So our advice to absolutely everybody and any professional who comes across somebody who believes they might have been spiked or are just not sure, is the only way that you can ensure that there will be um, a urine test or, or, or a test to see whether you've been spiked won't be from that professional in a hospital setting or a GP, it will be from the police themselves. Uh, the police over the last 18 months have really, really stepped up to the mark and it's much easier to report either through 101 or, or going on to the local website, you know, whether that's Dorset Police or Hampshire Police. It used to be very hard, you, know, you had to report it as, as an assault, whereas now it should say drink spiking on the home website. And in some cases you can do it anonymously, but of course it's always better um, to be brave enough to come forward because then of course A, it'll be recorded, but B, it'll be investigated and C, you will be offered a test to actually see what happened or whether you've been spiked. Okay, that's really helpful. Um... And yeah, it sounds really unpleasant and scary, especially if you can't remember what's happened, they're totally out of control. You know, it's, um, yeah. It is, and it's often really underestimated the psychological trauma uh, that can be a result of um, spiking, irrespective if there's been a secondary um, assault. That feel of violation that it was somebody you, you know, you may suspect it's somebody you know, or, you know, somebody you've met a few times. Um, and then, you know, huge social anxiety at going out, you know, especially if it's happened at something like, um, uh, you know, a social or, or um, a house party. Um, uh, plus, you know, those those physical effects that can be felt, you know, for, for a few weeks. Oh, unpleasant. And, and do we have any idea, again, knowing the limitations of the data, perhaps, but do we have any idea... Of those people who've had their drinks spiked or have been spiked in some way, how many of those correlate with an assault? Because again, in people's minds, that's kind of how it goes A to B. Yes. And, yeah. um, and what does, so in, mo what does in most cases, I'm going to tell you two you know, really quite shocking things. So in most cases, that there is not a sexual assault or a robbery. And we hope that in most cases, that's because trusted friends or people with them have kept them safe, mm -hmm. ensured that either that help was sought or they've got them home safely and stayed with them. And therefore, the perpetrator has not been able to carry out an assault. Um, but because of you know those eighteen ten not going forward to the police or being worried about um, uh, getting into trouble or being embarrassed or not being believed, um, there's only a, there's a less than one percent prosecution rate, and this is what we as a charity are really really working hard to change, and that's where we really need professionals' support. Even if you're slightly suspicious that it might not be genuine, it's not your position to judge. What we really, really want you to do, because that person's only going to take it further if they have been spiked or truly believe that they've been spiked, is to signpost, not only to the police via 101, as I've said, but there are other options if that person's nervous or doesn't trust the police. So they can go to 
um, victim support or they can go to Crime Stoppers, uh, which is totally anonymous, um, and they can log um, what's happened to them there and also go on to live chats and, 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 and get support and to be able to talk it through, which can really, really help, especially if you feel you haven't been believed or you haven't been given any support to date. So that signposting is really important. And we as a charity do have an SMS uh, messaging service, which um, if that person agrees to give you their number, you can just text and it leads to a page on our website, which is called life, which is L-I-F-E dash stuff, S-T-U-F-F dot org. Um, and they, therefore, you know, it's just a really easy way and uh, to pass on that information to um, anybody who, who, any victim or suspected victim who needs that support without judgment, without testing, but you've done something positive and that person won't walk away feeling, well, they haven't offered me a test, they haven't offered me any treatment, I'm feeling awful, I feel completely let down. You, you, you've, you've changed that conversation immediately. Yeah, I can I can tell you. And so again, we we do feel sometimes very helpless as GPs. There's yes. a lot we can achieve, huge amounts we can achieve, but sometimes the system around us, there is nothing to give. And those are the hardest consultations to do. Is where you've got nothing to pass people on to. You just say there is there is kind of nothing out there. They they feel really disappointing they to do. give, let yeah. alone to receive. I mean, you know, there's two two sides to this, um, and I think we're also really up against it in terms of. Um, again that kind empathetic ear is worth so much Um, and again what you're describing is people go through something that's potentially quite traumatic that they're not necessarily certain about either which again is is a horrible feeling to be with Um, and again how does that fit in versus us being very kind people how does that fit into we have 100 people potentially seeing a 10 minute box and again that can that can feel really uncomfortable again Mm -hmm. very unsatisfying from our perspective let alone to to be the patient in that and the victim really in that in that scenario um so i think yeah giving giving some signposts of where people might go um to kind of further that exploration in their own mind of what they'd like to do and that there is a something that they can do to a positive outcome and what's really good is we've we've trialed it with um sexual health nurses and um, those teams who um, and we've made sure we've got all the numbers on there such as you know how to link to your SARC for example um, and rape crisis and things like that if there has been a secondary assault Um, so we've tried to in a very simple way make it as easy as possible to give that support yeah yeah absolutely so I I think that's that's really good to know about so um, if we're suspecting it um, we've kind of answered this already, but just really kind of get, getting us really clear on it. If we as GPs sat in our practice, we suspect that this has happened, what should we be saying to people? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, the importance of reporting it as quickly as possible because of how quickly the substances can leave the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they've come to you three days later, which may well be the case because of those symptoms that I've described, such as blackout and not being sure whether it's happened or it's taking them time to um, police things together, is the importance of saying it's it's really not too late and you can really make a difference and try and ensure that perpetrators are caught by being brave enough to report it to the police. Um, those other numbers that we give are good as well. 
but the difference is, is there won't be an investigation and also it won't inform our knowledge in how many people are truly being spiked across the UK. And the more that we have that record and that information, the more we can put pressure on the Home Office and the police and government to be more assertive in doing something about it. So I'm very pleased that the Home Office is investing in better testing kits, for example, because that's been part of the problem. We also recommend that there's something called um, uh, uh, little drink testing kits, which are a really good sort of safety device, um, and that's called um, Check Your Drink. It doesn't test for all substances, but it's a very good preventative. Um, so it tests for two of the main substances, which are GHB and um, ketamine. But just by having one, I mean, we'd love to see every fresher going off to university with a little booklet of these um, tests. It means that any potential perpetrator is going to say, oh, actually, you know, I'm far more likely to be caught. There's more of a conversation. Um, you know, people are going to be more aware and therefore, um, you know, this isn't, you know, uh, something I'm going to consider doing. Um, of course, people coming to you are not looking for preventative advice, they're looking for support, but actually understanding that preventative advice on how to avoid or reduce drink spiking, I'll say, is really, really important. So feeling more confident in calling out um, spiking and it you know, not being socially acceptable, things like staying with trusted friends, um, letting somebody know outside of your uh, friendship group, you know, where you're going if you are, especially if you're, you know, away from your hometown, you know, so hotspots in Dorset, for example, where we're talking from today are sort of, say, Bournemouth and Weymouth, or um, it could be Southampton if it's Hampshire, or um, Bristol, um, well, actually, you're Bath and North Somerset rather than Bristol, but people... They probably they, go out they, in Bristol. <laughs> they may go out in Bristol as well, so, um, you know, looking, uh, you know, not leaving drinks uh, unattended, especially if people vape and they go outside to vape, a lot of venues you say you have to leave your drink behind right. never ever leave your drink um, behind um, so there are some things that that can really really help by sticking together also things like keeping your phone fully charged and keeping like a friend locator on like you know snapchat or find my friends all these things um, help prevent spiking and also help if spiking does occur um, any of those those worst things that could happen linked to assault or, or, or robbery reduce the likelihood of those things happening as well. And that's a really useful list. Again, I probably won't remember all of those or be able to say all of those in a consultation. Have you put that anywhere? Is that anywhere? That it's all on our Life Stuff website. So the good thing about our uh, Life Stuff website is it's for young adults. So um, so we have a younger website called Talk About Alcohol for, for sort of 11 to 14 year olds and then life-stuff.org. Um, covers well it covers all sorts of topics and you know, if sort of cannabis vaping alcohol but it has a big section on drink spiking and how to prevent it where to go for help and support signs and we've got some super posters so anybody uh, any gp surgery uh, can just contact us and of course i've got to remember our new details now at the talk about trust haven't i so uh, helena at um talk about trust Org, and we can send you little advice cards and we can send you A4 posters um, that just have those important telephone numbers on and they have a QR code that can be scanned um, and it's just again a very simple way to show um, uh, you know that you are you know doing everything that you can uh, even though you may very rarely come across somebody who's been spiked um, 
uh, you know, it, it, it does happen and you need to be prepared and therefore uh, forearmed is, is forewarned. And, you know, anybody coming in uh, to your surgery uh, can look at, look at it on the notice board and that might provoke a conversation and they then may be able to support somebody they know who's been spiked. So, you know, it's all positive. It is. I would say it may be worth a sort of people thinking about when someone goes on their website more because that age group possibly aren't coming into our surgery so yeah. much. They tend to be, I think they prefer remote cons- consultations because they're, they're out and about and they're busy and a lot of their stuff is, is, is more amenable to remote consultation style. Um, but that again, that's just sort of my impression. Different practices work in different ways. Uh, but it's, it's something to think about of kind of where might you place this yeah. um, in your forums or uh, in your... Or if you can place it on your, your... I don't know where you, you can put it on your website for advice or where to go for support. So Exactly. We could just have the links there that might be an easy way mm. um, to, uh, you know, to signpost forward. Signpost. And again, potentially, I think you, you were saying there's like a seasonal spike. So again, whether it's something that you just put on, on again, some practices using social media, so this might be something yeah. to signpost to uh, around around Christmas. Is, am I right in thinking Christmas is kind of your worst Christmas? So the year? three worst times are Christmas, yeah. New Year, and then, of course, the new term. So September, October. Um, when um, new students are joining colleges and universities. Um, so those are our three um, spikes in spiking, if you like. Uh, but in the summer months, you see, and that's why I say it's sort of, it's ongoing, unfortunately. So festivals, I'm afraid, and things like, you know, beach parties, um, as I say, moving on to things like sharing vapes, you know. Um, so, you know, we've now got guidance out for the first time on, you know, being careful about accepting, you know, try my new flavour from somebody you don't know very well. You know, that vaping outside of pubs, it's, it's it, a lot of actually young adults vape because it's very sociable and it's a way of meeting people outside a pub. Mm-hmm. So just being aware of that, that again, unfortunately, uh, is a, another way of being able to make you vulnerable. It's sad, isn't it? Yes, it is sad. The other thing I should say is um, that it's one in ten, so nine in ten are going out and enjoying a safe evening out. So I don't like being scaremongering. What we like to do is actually empower people to say, I'm not having you ruining my night. You know, so this is what we can do to make a difference. And the more we can band together, so the more we can get, you know, GPs and professionals, the police, well-run venues and people themselves to join together to stamp out spiking, the the better. and I could, could I maybe just go back to that last point then about, you know, why eight in 10 don't report? I mean, that's going back yeah. to 21, really, really detailed data. And it's certainly where our work is and uh, the police and uh, certainly university settings are trying to really make a difference. Um, so the barriers are seen uh, to be that, you know, I can't remember, I'm not going to be believed, the police won't take me seriously. Um, you know, I can't remember what happened or I'm worried about getting somebody into trouble. So those different numbers and ways we've got a reporting should avoid all that worry. And the police will never not believe you. And they will, you know, they will ask you questions, uh, but they know and totally understand that there'll be a period of blackout. And they will go and look at CCTV. Um, and what we would say, any friends with somebody who think they're behaving strangely, they might have been spiked, try and keep that drink as evidence because that drink can be a really, really important part of helping ensure we get more prosecutions. I mean, less than 1% is just appalling. And the reason why is because we're not getting enough evidence. 
Um, so now that seven-day window for a urine test um, or a blood test, um, try to keep more evidence at the time, though of course you might be panicking about the person who of course is, is passing out or being sick and very ill. Um, you know, talking to the venue and reporting to the police, these are things, or if you don't want to talk to the police at university, the health and well-being staff are brilliant. At school, you know, it could be the pastoral uh, care lead at school or going to your doctor you know we really really want to be able to say so at the moment especially you know uh, uh, emergency departments and things it's quite hard we don't say go to the GP or, 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 or um, to emergency department because there's no treatment there's no testing and um, so therefore it's, and there's yes. no reporting there's no monitoring of what's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. so it's the least effective place at the moment and that's what we would really really love to see change yes so i think but again our role in that expectation management that there still won't be any treatment um, as such um, and then we still don't have access to tests for this um, but what we can do is offer effective signposting Um, so again ideally people know that themselves and again that message gets out there really the place to go is to report this yeah Um, and um and, and any myths that you would really like to bust that are out there about spiking Yes, there have been some really misleading social media campaigns <clears throat> saying that uh, if a drink's been spiked, the ice will sink. Well, unless you're defying science, the ice will not sink, um, that there might be more bubbles in the drink. Again, not true at all, that the drink might be cloudy. Um, I'm afraid in most incidences, if a drink has been spiked, you cannot tell. There's no smell, uh, there's no colour, there'll be no change um, in that drink. Unfortunately, it'll be the uh, symptoms that the person who's been spiked uh, will be suffering that will be the sign that they've been that they've been spiked. Okay. Any other myths that are out there? Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, knowing how to signpost, and because when we first did our surveys, um, about 60% of people didn't know how to support somebody who's been spiked. Um, So I think that's the last thing I ought to cover, I suppose, really, is try and get that person into a safe place. Um, Stay with them. Um, And of course, if they are passing out, the importance of putting them into the recovery position to keep their airways clear so there's no possibility of choking. Unfortunately, different drugs will have different effects. So something like MDA, there's a there's a risk of overheating, um, whereas with other things, there may be a, a risk of getting very cold. So you need to sort of judge whether to keep them warm or ensure they're you know not not too hot. But get help. Never be worried about say, yeah. Never yeah. be worried about getting into trouble. It's there's not a war. Well, it's it's not illegal to have a substance in your yeah. bloodstream, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. Yeah far more important to get that person help and support um, and nobody's going to be asking what you've been taking or why you're somewhere or what you've been doing it is the safety of that person that is paramount um, so i think that's a myth that needs to be busted that you you will be in trouble if you have taken something yourself so um yeah um, yeah. No, I think I think that's been really helpful. I guess the only other thing is for these people who've done that reporting. Again, yeah. bearing in mind, uh, I'm assuming here slightly, but you know, when you go to the police, they've got a job to do, which yeah. is again, just like you said, although no judgment, they don't necessarily 
um, they they have to act in a kind of neutral way, don't they, to gather facts, which does mean asking questions, and that is part of their job, is to ask the questions. If they don't ask the questions, in fact, and just say, oh, you got Spike, right, yeah, Yeah. they're not doing their job properly. That that can, it will, um, and can feel to people quite challenging. It can, it can. That's not necessarily pleasant to have. Lots of no, and especially, of course, if there has been a, an assault of any kind, um, there can be a real feeling of reliving the trauma and feeling that the questions are questioning your reliability. Exactly. Yeah. But it's not that. It's because they're trying to fill the holes and gather as much evidence as they can in order to be able to bring a prosecution, which, of course, is what is the desired outcome. Or even if that person doesn't want a prosecution, it's going to... Um, fill, you know, it means that the premises will be visited, they will look at the CCTV footage and try and ensure that that premise, premises then does better, you know, that, to ensure that door staff and bar staff are trained to spot the signs, to ensure there is a safe space, um, maybe better lighting or, um, you know, ensuring that people get home better. Um, so, so yes, um, the police, I think, are are definitely much better um, because there is a lot of work going on around drink spiking and accepting that it's happening and getting rid of that sort of um, scepticism. Um, so they're better trained, they've got more information, and um, so hopefully they will be supportive and really help do something about it. That's really, that's really good because again, attitude is, is so important when you raise your hand and say there's a problem. So I think we've covered like uh, if someone's acutely unwell, then actually you, you keep them safe. But also if they are really unwell, then you get medical help. Like Absolutely. Should, people shouldn't be dealing with this stuff by themselves. If they're worried about that person, then get the medical help. Because again, we haven't covered that, but it may not be drink spiking. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. having listened to this podcast, if someone's blacking out, you know, yeah. that may not be drink spiking, maybe something else they they need medical help so don't let it stop you seeking medical help if someone's acutely well again gp is probably not best place for that that's more of a, an ed kind of a place to go yeah. um, and then we've talked about that next step which is which is getting the police involved again if someone's life is safe then it's, it's trying to get raise awareness of this and actually get that hard data which again even if you can't get a prosecution from that it's still contributing in a cumulative way little grains of sand make a sahara um to actually causing change which again you've already described that we're seeing some changes in how the police are approaching this hopefully and last but not least i wondered uh, again we will have some very general things that we can refer to but are there any specific support charities for someone who's been through this and um from a psychological point of view is there any are there any uh, charities well, I, in this I would sector? go to yes so victim support has has um, a, a live chat um so do crime stoppers and um, the samaritans of course are very very good for younger people, um, there's things like Cooth, um, for example. Um, so, and if somebody, you know, is not sure but wants a more general talk about sort of drugs, there's things like the mix and know the score. Um, so, um, yes, there are, you know, good and different places that you can go to um, for help. Um, and of course, if the uh, maybe spiking ends up, for example, to having drinking to blackout. Mm-hmm. Um, then knowing about things like Drinkline, where you can get support there, for example, on um, drinking or um, those other charities I've mentioned, um, Know the Score and um, 
uh, drug link um, can, can help with um, substance misuse issues. Um, you know, maybe we can talk about those sort of things another time. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. We'd love to have you back. Well, thank you so much, Helen. I think that was really informative. I learned lots there um, about what, where to signpost people and, and what it's important. Again, people come to me. Um, I'm a bit clear on kind of where I should be signposting them. Um, so that's really, really helpful. Some shocking statistics that you've shared with us. Um, but again, hopefully, again, increased awareness and people listening to this, again, as professionals, but also and they're potentially thinking of their children and their teenagers, um, then uh, maybe that increasing that awareness bit by bit will, will cause us to change as a society for the better. So I really enjoyed that. Thank you ever so much for joining us. And, Thank uh, you so you. much, Laura. You've asked some brilliant questions. And <laughs> I hope by raising awareness, we can make our, you know, there are three and a half thousand doctors out there that can make a little, little tiny bit of difference. Then that's fantastic. That's you, uh, the GPs of Wessex. So um, we hope that lots of people will listen to this, but also if practice managers are listening to this, um, then think about where you can pop this in your practice. And again, if you're another member of the practice team, perhaps think uh, how this might fit into the patients that you're seeing or raise this uh, within your practice and think the people know about this and just uh, every every share helps. So thank you very, very much, Helen, for joining thank us. Thank you so much, Laura. I look thank forward to listening. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on another Wessex LMC's podcast. We hope to have you again with us soon. Take care. Have a great week. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.